Hello and welcome to Cerebral Conversations. My name is Ben McCallery. And I'm Andy McLean. Hello. In this episode, we talk with the youngest guest in the podcast series, Aaron Keith. Aaron is a 12-year-old force of nature. He's a cyclist. He's a swimmer. In fact, he's a triathlete. He's smart. He's funny. He's well-traveled. And yep, he lives with cerebral palsy. But that doesn't define him. Absolutely not. Joining Aaron, Andy and myself in this episode, we have Claire Smart, who is Aaron's physiotherapist from Cerebral Palsy Alliance. Like many physios and athletes, Aaron and Claire have developed a very strong friendship. And in this episode, we hear how the two of them work together, how they set goals, and often, in Aaron's case, how he smashes those goals to smithereens. Yeah, he absolutely does. And besides Aaron's kind of sheer force of will, I think the thing that will stay with me from this episode is really just the amazing role that technology is now playing in physiotherapy for people living with cerebral palsy. Yeah, and for kids like Aaron, physio exercises aren't a daily grind. They're flexible and they're fun, and I think all of us can relate to that. If exercise is enjoyable, and it's so much easier to stick at it and keep making progress. Okay, without further ado, let's dive straight into the conversation. Let's start with you, Aaron. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about the kind of cerebral palsy you have and how that affects your day-to-day life? So I have spastic dystonic quadriplegia and it affects my daily life, like getting dressed and stuff. So I do need a hand with a few things, but other than that, I'm quite independent. And Aaron, how old are you at the moment? I'm 12. Claire, tell us a little bit about what your job involves and perhaps your origin story when you first met Aaron. Yeah, so I'm a physiotherapist. I work in Canberra. And as part of my job, I assist um, people with many different types of disabilities, both physical or neurological. So anyone that um, from infants and babies um, up to adults and older people um, and most of the therapy that I do is physical based. So anything that people have goals um, to working towards improving their mobility and their movement. And um, there's many different ways that we carry out that therapy. So some, the way that I met Aaron was um, through an intervention program called Habitiel. And Habitiel stands for hand arm by manual intensive therapy, including the lower extremity. And so Habitiel is a two week intensive program where we do 66 hours of therapy um, in that time. And so I traveled up to Sydney and it's one-on-one therapy. So I was paired with Aaron, but there were also six other kids and six other therapists that were doing um, the intensive program at the same time. So it was a whole lot of fun. Um, Yeah, that's, I guess, where our story started. So how did the two of you first meet? Did you meet in person? Oh, yeah, we met in person at Habitual, so yeah. Okay, right. So, Aaron, can you tell us what was it like when you first met Claire? Like, what were your first impressions? And you can be honest, even though Claire's on the call. It was actually quite nice. We bonded quite quickly. So, yeah, that was nice. And how would you describe Habitiel to somebody who's never come across it before, Aaron? So my first one, I didn't really know what to expect. But, yeah, it was really really good. I got used to it after that two days, which was nice. I would describe it as fun but tough. And I've met lots of friends there. So, yeah, it was it's been really nice and I think they should enjoy it. 
Yeah, so something that's really unique about Habitiel is that you can work on a lot of goals at the same time, often in therapy. We know a lot of the evidence says that it's most effective if you do one or two goals at the same time. We can't learn to run a marathon and juggle and learn another skill at the same time. Um, but during Habitiel, we worked on, I think, between 12 and 20 goals. And it was just incredible. I think by middle of week one, we were like, right, okay, we then need to come up with some more goals. Um, it was just incredible to see Aaron achieve and all the other kids achieve so much in such a short amount of time as well. And yeah, so something else about Habitiel is that you're doing therapy the whole time from when you walk in the door. We make the schedule for the day and then um, you're picking what activities you're doing. And then once it's morning tea time, you've got to cut up the fruit and hand out all the plates. And Aaron had a goal on um, filling up a cup with water. So he was the water server for everybody. And then you have to do your own washing up as well because you need to, to work on your upper limb skills of um, standing and washing and putting all the plates away and then when it comes to lunchtime it's time to make lunch and we made pizzas and we made lamingtons and we made a smash cake as well oh yes I remember that smash cake <laughs> yeah there was no shortage of fun at Habitil and no shortage of laughter as well Aaron and I were in stitches very often <laughs> yeah especially when it got to yoga at the end of the day <laughs> and oh yes I remember and... yoga I never want to do yoga again <laughs> well it was exhausting because we'd just done a whole day of therapy and it was meant to be the wind down time but some of the positions like standing on one leg were quite challenging for Aaron so I was having to do half the yoga with as well standing on one leg oh we don't know her <laughs> So yeah, that was quite funny. It was a too. huge amount of fun. Yeah. So Claire, in our last episode, we spoke with Professor Iona Novak about neuroplasticity. And as you were talking there about Habitiel, I couldn't help but think that there must be some neuroplasticity at work there. So can you just tell us, are we in the right ballpark? Yeah, definitely. I, neuroplasticity is a huge um, area that's really underpinning a lot of our evidence-based practice at the moment. And so Habitiel is an evidence-based program. And part of the title is that it involves um, intensive therapy. And so having 66 hours of therapy all together um, really consolidates those neural pathways that, you know, sometimes you've just got to keep working and keep working and keep working at something. And we know that for people with cerebral palsy, often the sum of those pathways are a lot harder to build or they may be damaged. And so an analogy that I really like is imagining that the brain is like a forest and to build pathways through the forest, you have to walk on them many times to clear the foundation and clear the scrub and walk through the trees. Um, but sometimes if we don't walk those pathways for a long time or it gets cold in winter, those pathways get overgrown again. So that's why we really need to keep up big, a lot of practice and repetition at things. And we know there's some areas in the forest that are a lot harder to break through the scrub or break through the bush. Um, and so we know we need to work a bit harder at those pathways to make them solid and make um, those tasks easier for people to achieve. So Aaron, does Claire train you really hard? Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, speaking of training, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, some of your sports activities because you're a pretty formidable athlete. Tell us a little bit about your, your triathlon. Um, so yeah, basically a few years ago I started doing like summer triathlons with the Cerebral Horsey Alliance and um yeah, was I was quite good at them except for the swimming because I'm terrible at swimming. But yeah, I did triathlons for a while and I really enjoyed them. And that's how it got me into race 
that's how I got into race running as well. And for for those who are uninitiated, tell us a bit about race running. What does that involve? Um, so race running is basically a three wheeled bike that you stand up and run in, and there's an international competition that's held in Denmark. And yeah, you win win medals and stuff. It's really fun. Hang on, hang on, rewind. Denmark. Yeah. So did you fly over to Denmark for it? Yeah, I flew over to Denmark for that international competition almost each year. Except for the past two years because of COVID. I also get to go on holidays with with the international competition. So yeah, that's really fun. So what was Denmark like? When I first went there in 2018, it was quite surreal. I was like, oh my goodness, I've just gotten into this sport and here I am now. And I broke a few, a few world records, so that was nice. So, Aaron, tell me, what? how many triathlons have you raced in? Um, I've raced in like six, basically. Six triathlons. And how many sort of race running uh, um, events have you participated in? I have competed in quite a lot of races. And they've been mostly demonstration races. Apart from the international competition, one of my favourite races was when I raced at the Invictus Games, which was a demonstration race, which was cool. Tell me about the Invictus Games. So the Invictus Games were quite cool because they got the a demonstration race and it was very fitting because it was the Invictus Games for like war veterans and disabled people so that was good and it really put race friendly on a large stage for australia to watch and stuff which was good for the sports growth what would be your your proudest achievement so far on this in the sporting field then aaron um probably well starting race running was really good um, but I was in a 400 meter race and I beat one of my competitors by 100 of a second. This was in Denmark. So that was really cool. Would have been a photo finish. Yeah, it was a photo finish. Give me some advice. I've never done a triathlon and I'm really interested in this race running. What's what the one piece of advice you would give me? if I was just starting out in either of those sports? Um, just do your best and, like, try. You can go as far as you want to go with either sport. I mean, it's so open-ended, so, yeah. Aaron, can you just tell us, I understand that your coach at athletics is quite well-known. Can you tell us who that is? <laughs> oh, yes. Um, so I'm coached by Louise Savage. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool to be coached by her. She's a very, very hard coach, but she's also very funny, which is nice. And for those who don't know, tell us about Louise Savage. What's her background? So basically, she's a very famous Australian Paralympian. She raced at 92 Paralympic, the 92 Games, the 96 Games, I think. and the 2000 games and yeah so it's pretty cool to be coached by her and also she's won quite a lot of Paralympic gold 
has she shared any kind of insider advice or secrets with you in terms of, you know, managing the nerves and being a success on the track? She has. I mean, she's really helped with my endurance, which is good because you with endurance, you're like ready for those shorter races because you have more stamina and also the longer races, which means you can kind of enjoy the moment more in those longer races. Um, but yeah, she just said to me, like, be calm and be focused on your end goal and just block out all the other things in your mind and focus on that one thing that you really want to get in that race, which could either be a gold medal, a silver medal or a bronze medal. On the podium. Yes, yeah, so just or just getting to the line in general, like... You don't even have to win a medal. And Claire, do all of the people that you give therapy to end up going on and competing internationally at sport? Is Are you the secret ingredient here or is Aaron? <laughs> oh, I think Aaron was competing internationally before he met me. <laughs> is there anything in particular, Claire, if you think about the therapy that you do with Aaron that is sort of strategically trying to build up his muscles so that he can compete and and participate in these kinds of activities? Yeah, I guess um, a lot of our therapy took place during Habitil, so we really had a huge focus on the goals that we were working towards. And I think a lot of it came into that fun and motivation um, because we know that when you're motivated and you're having fun, you're much more likely to achieve your goals. Um, then if I just said that we were going to do 100 squats and walk to the end of the corridor and back. And also be willing to do your exercises. Yeah, I don't think we would have got on as well if I hadn't have made things a bit more fun or a bit more competitive. Um, so we definitely had some really nice task-specific training. We definitely did a lot of race running and Aaron was practicing some wheelchair um, sports as well. So I had a sports wheelchair and Aaron had a sports wheelchair and we were doing races around the corridors. Um, Aaron had some fantastic, nice functional goals as well. Like he, one of his goals was to be able to open his AirPods and put them in by himself so that he could FaceTime his friends without mum knowing. <laughs> so yeah, I think definitely including fun in it um, and really being able to track Aaron's progress. We had personal bests that we tried to beat every single day and a plan for our therapy and what we were going to achieve. I think that was really, really important to Aaron's success. So Aaron, you're your achievements are pretty formidable what's next for you dare i ask well definitely competing in some more international competitions because i really want to get to the paralympics and how i do that is by training and going to the international competitions i think what aaron's taught me is being so determined and set towards your goals I remember we were doing therapy and Aaron's goal was to be able to get up from the floor by himself, which was a really challenging goal. And uh, we were sitting in this therapy room for at least an hour and Aaron was just practicing over and over and over again. I said, are you ready for lunch? No, no, I haven't got it yet. We need to keep going until I get it. And we had some amazing volunteers. I said, Aaron, can I give you a hand? And he said, no, this is Habitil. I need to do it myself. So I would just have put to such a credit to Aaron's determination and his will to keep working hard until he achieves something. Claire, thinking about those goals that Aaron shared with us, um, how might physiotherapy support Aaron uh, in the future? 
yeah, I think I've really got my work cut out for me to building, supporting a world champion. <laughs> um, so definitely, I think supporting Aaron to keeping his training fresh and keeping um, things changing and evolving. We know, especially with our neuroplasticity, that we need to keep repetition and intensity and keep building things up and changing them and keeping them fresh. If I kept lifting two kilos at the gym, I'm probably not going to get stronger. Um, so yeah, I think that's been a really big part. And telepractice has been so fantastic because we can do so many different things over it um, and keep changing things and, and supporting technology and that as well. Things that could be a person, I can just send Aaron some TheraBand in the mail and <laughs> send him his programs. So yeah, it's definitely continuing to change and evolve um, to suit what Aaron's goals are and to suit his in increasing and improving strength as well. Claire, just thinking about um, COVID and, and the pandemic that we've lived through, do you think telehealth and, and virtual health as a whole has sort of improved thanks to the pandemic? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that we've learned and in a, some way there has been some things that we've been forced to learn, but other things that have just been so fantastic that have come out of um, the time in lockdown and the things that we've realised actually we can do this over the computer or I don't have to drive to therapy. I can do it in my own home because we know that the best outcomes happen um, in someone's home environment and when they're doing lots of practice at home. So being able to see into people's um, environments where they're doing the activity. So when I telepractice Aaron, I say, are there some stairs over there? How about we go do some step ups? Or have you got a step you can bring over? Now it's the wrong height. Let's go find something else. So it's been really great to get creative with what we're doing and realize that it doesn't need to be a barrier and it's actually a huge enabler for some people, especially people that live far away from their um, access to services. Now they're on the same playing field as everyone else. So we're definitely learning how creative we can be. So Aaron, you've shared some of your goals in regards to sport, but I'm really interested to hear what's your goals regarding uh, your professional side of your life. So tell me what's, what's school like at the moment? Um, school is, well, it's definitely interesting with, like, home learning. But, yeah, um, it's been really good. And the school that I'm at is really welcoming and, like, we, and, like really accommodating for my needs and stuff. So, yeah, it's been really good. And, I, and last year I also got elected as school vice, vice president and, um, yeah, I think it's really good that that the younger kids get to see me up there with my walker and stuff and the disability because that normalises it. So, yeah. And I also want to become Australia's first disabled Prime Minister. Can't get a better goal than that. That sounds awesome. Aaron, let me say you've got my vote when the time comes. So, Aaron, tell me, where do you go to school? So I go to a local primary school in a, at a very high school that I've gone into. And, yeah, they're both really accessible and they consult me. So my primary school, cons like, I got a bathroom put in near my classroom and they consulted me about, like, what rails to put in, where to put them in, what to put them, where to put, like, accessible and good things in the bathroom and I think it's really good that they consult me not like my parents which is cool and if you think about that Aaron 
you're leaving a legacy at the school there, right? So the changes that the school has made will help the kids that follow on after you with their accessibility needs as well. Yeah, that makes me really proud because I just want to make the world, I mean, the world a better place for like physically disabled and neurologically challenged kids. Like there have been a few neurologically challenged kids at my school, but yeah, not many physically disabled. I'm the only one, so. I've got a question for both of you. And it will require you to just sort of cast your mind back over the last couple of years that you've been working together. How do you feel looking at where you are now and looking back at where you started? Like, how does that make you feel? I might ask you that first, Aaron. Yeah, definitely a lot of things have changed, but I think that I've definitely improved. Like, for example, it used to take me up to an hour to get to school. And now it basically takes me 15 minutes, which is good because I've increased that strength. And Claire, how do you feel when you think about the last couple of years with Aaron? Oh, it's just been amazing. I mean, there's some things that you can just never imagine in your wildest dreams. At the start of my um, working career, I probably never would have imagined working with Aaron and um, seeing him achieve so amazing um, variety of things. It's been really exciting to see um, so much progress as well and really rewarding as well to see um, the pride that Aaron has when he achieves his goals. So Aaron, how do you feel you are perhaps stronger because of your cerebral palsy? I guess dealing with like bullies and things that bring me down about my disability. Like there was one in D4 that my teachers I was really happy about the way I dealt with it and also another example about creative thinking is um I play um rugby league with my friends at school and so I had to find out a way how to kind of put the ball under my arm and um put my elbow on the walk handle and then, yeah, be able to run and score tries and stuff. That was really cool and a really good way to kind of figure out how I can do that. That's really interesting, Aaron, because we've done a few episodes uh, in this series and so many people talk about the problem-solving skills and the resourcefulness of people with disability. It just comes up again and again. Is that something that you think is particularly strong amongst people who live with a disability? Yeah, I definitely think so, because it's like, as young kids, we watch other kids like our friends and stuff doing things that we think we can't do. But as I think people with disabilities grow older, you can kind of find ways around things that you can't do to make them things that you can do. That's great, Aaron. Thank you so much. And Claire, too. Thank you both so much. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Cerebral Conversations, a podcast produced by Cerebral Palsy Alliance. To learn more, check out the show notes to this episode over at cerebralpalsy.org.au forward slash Cerebral Conversations. And if you enjoyed the show, please rate or review on your favourite podcast platform. And to join the conversation, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening. The music for this podcast was kindly supplied by Ocean Alley.
Check out the band's music on Bandcamp or visit oceanalley.com.au.